0: In the organized crime world that I was forced to be in, I saw more of its problems. Again, I saw more of its problems. In the organized crime world, I saw paranoid personality disorder. I saw pervasive distrust and suspicion of others and their motives. I saw unjustified belief that others are trying to harm or deceive people. I saw unjustified suspicion of the loyalty or trustworthiness of others. I saw hesitancy to confide in others due to unreasonable fear that others will use the information against them. I saw perception of innocent remarks or non-threatening situations as personal insults or attacks. I saw angry or hostile reaction to perceived slights or insults. I saw the tendency to hold grudges. I saw unjustified recurrent suspicion that spouse or sexual partner that's not their spouse is being unfaithful. I saw schizoid personality disorder. I saw lack of interest in social or personal relationships, preferring to be alone, I saw a limited range of emotional expression. I saw inability to take pleasure in most activities. I saw the inability to pick up normal social cues. I saw the appearance of being cold or indifferent to others. I saw little or no interest in having sex with another person. I saw schizotypal personality disorders. I saw peculiar dress, thinking, beliefs, speech, or behavior. I saw odd perceptual experiences, such as hearing a voice whisper your name. I saw flat emotions or inappropriate emotional responses. I saw social anxiety and a lack of or discomfort with close relationships. I saw indifferent, inappropriate, or suspicious response to others. I saw magical thinking, believing, they can influence people and events with their thoughts. I saw belief that certain casual incidents or events have hidden messages meant only for people. I saw antisocial personality disorder. I saw disregard for others needs or feelings. I saw persistent lying, stealing, using aliases and conning others. I saw recurring problems with the law. I saw repeated violation of the rights of others. I saw aggressive, often violent behavior. I saw disregard for the safety of self or others. I saw impulsive behavior. I saw people being being consistently irresponsible. I saw a lack of remorse for behavior. I saw borderline personality disorder. I saw impulsive and risky behavior, such as having unsafe sex, gambling, or binge eating. I saw unstable or fragile self-image. I saw unstable and intense relationships. I saw up and down moods, often as a reaction to interpersonal stress. I saw suicidal behavior or threats of self-injury. I saw intense fear of being alone or abandoned. I saw ongoing feelings of emptiness. I saw frequent, intense displays of anger. I saw stress-related paranoia that comes and goes. I saw histrionic personality disorder. I saw people constantly seeking attention. I saw people excessively being emotional, dramatic, and sexually provocative to gain attention. I saw people speaking dramatically with strong opinions, but few facts or details to back them up. I saw people being easily influenced by others. I saw shallow, rapidly changing emotions. I saw excessive concern with physical appearance. I saw people think of relationships with others are closer than they really are. I saw narcissistic personalities, or I saw people believing that they're especially more important than others. I saw fantasies about power, success, and attractiveness. I saw the failure to recognize others' needs and feelings. I saw exaggeration of achievement or talents. I saw expectation of constant praise and admiration. I saw arrogance. I saw unreasonable expectations of favors and advantages often taking advantage of others. I saw the envy of others or belief that others... Envy people. I saw a lack of empathy. I saw grandiosity. I saw avoidant personality disorder. I saw people being too sensitive to criticism or rejection. I saw people feeling inadequate, inferior, or unattractive. I saw the avoidance of work activities that require interpersonal contact. I saw people being socially inhibited timid and isolated avoiding new activities and meeting strangers i saw people being of extreme shyness in social situations and personal relationships i saw people suffer from the fear of disapproval embarrassment or ridicule i saw dependent personality disorder i saw the excessive dependence on others and feeling the need to be taken care of i saw the submissive or clingy clinky behavior toward others i saw the fear of having to provide self-care or fend for yourself if left alone I saw a lack of self-confidence requiring excessive advice and reassurance from others to make even small decisions. I saw the difficulty starting or doing projects on your own due to lack of self-confidence. I saw the difficulty of disagreeing with others fearing disapproval. I saw the tolerance of poor or abusive treatment even when other options are available. I saw the urgent need to start a new relationship when a closed one has ended. I saw obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I saw preoccupation with details, orderliness, and rules. I saw extreme perfectionism resulting in dysfunction and distress when perfection is not achieved, such as feeling unable to finish a project because you don't feel you meet your own strict standards because you don't meet your own strict standards. I saw people having the desire to be in control of people, tasks and situations, and inability to delegate tasks. I saw the neglect of friends and enjoyable activities because of excessive commitment to work or a project. I saw the inability to discard broken or worthless objects. Even those that look like each other in the family. I saw the ina- I saw the ri- I saw people being rigid and stubborn. I saw people being inflexible about morality, ethics, or values. I saw people being tight, miserly control over budgeting and spending money. Those are all the personality disorders I was exposed to in the world of organized crime. I remember. Another nickname they gave me was Lil' Alpo. They named me after the deceased drug lord from the Harlem borough of New York York City, New York on the East Coast. And they nicknamed me Lil' Alpo because Alpo was considered to be beloved by some and hated by many. And that was their way of calling me duplicitous. You know, my extended family and my parents did not get to experience Antonio. That was on the streets. They got to experience Antonio, the person that I truly am. At my core, who's a mild-mannered, soft-hearted guy, Tonio at times had to be harsh, severe, commanding, demanding, bossy, overbearing, um, super-duper strict, uh, unfriendly, uninviting, unwelcoming, um, I had to be a protector of self and others, especially women, the most at a young age. So I saw a lot in that world where I had to be I had to bully the bullies, I had to be loud, obnoxious, unbearable, domineering, which is falsely called a strong personality, but that's how I was described back then, and I was described as as scary. And someone that people, even women, had to watch out for. So, I had a reputation for quote-unquote emasculating guys because That's just sad. I saw a lot of women around that time in terms of meeting them. And their male life partners wanted to start drama with me in the form of a physical fight. So I would Beat them down to a bloody pulp and knock them out senselessly. By the time the second round, in quotation, started, meaning the street fights. I was considered the most colorful shit talker. That's why a lot of the streets feared me. I had a knuckle game and a meme mug, but I was only all of the I was only acting all these negative ways when it came to those who traumatized me and traumatized my family. Biological family. And after I would beat them down to a bloody pulp and knock them out, all those guys were kicked out of organized crime permanently. They were never allowed to commit another crime again. if they did, the fatal crime called murder would have happened to them. to be understood. I'm not advocating violence. I'm not advocating crime. I'm not advocating murder. I'm not advocating putting orders out on anyone. I'm not advocating felonies. I'm not advocating misdemeanors. I'm just saying that this is what occurred. And I hated the fact that I had to have what is called a booming voice, which is atypical of a five-year-old. And I hated the fact that I had to be impossible to deal with and hard to deal with when it came to uh, the street fights I told you about that grown men would try to do to me, you know, challenging the street fights. So, I only acted tough when I was being provoked. Other than that, I was considered the cool cat type of person. Meaning, laid back, nice, unimposing, so to speak. So, I also... I wanted to explain a little more about my nickname, Lil Alpo. Alpo Martinez um, is beloved by some, which I, I find to be extremely problematic and hated by most. Plus, he was the smiling... Guy that some people found easygoing and other people did not. So that was their way of insulting me, the organized crime figures who were calling me Little Alpo. And at one point, being in that world. this is the last time i talk about organized crime by the way this is all the top of my head if i talk about against with a guest um being in that world there are times where i have to help convince women not to answer the door or answer the phone because they started being harassed at home and so all their harassers I would beat them all up to a bloody pulp and the witnesses would call the cops on the harassers and the harassers would get locked up for lengthy periods of time and restraining orders, permanent restraining orders had to be filed. Um, Harassing them on the phone, coming to their house and they enlisted me and I hate all of this. There's nothing about the organized crime figure part of my life that I rejoice in. I find melancholy and anguish. In terms of all parts of organized crime, part of my childhood. Um, I do... I remember in the organized crime world, my my other nickname was... Nino Brown Jr., that's what the organized crime figures called me um, after the New Jack City movie. That's New Jack City movie that came out in 1991. That was another insult that they gave me. Uh, Nino Brown was basically a drug lord who had a haughty spirit. So, that was the way of insulting me. Um, from what I remember, um, I remember that they wanted the organized crime figures. I remember they were the type that made me feel even more conflicted because There are times where I prayed while gambling, I prayed while bookkeeping, I prayed while being a delivery man, a delivery boy, I prayed while being a bag man, I prayed while, you know, assisting an illegal lottery against my will, I prayed while numbers running, I prayed while drug dealing, and I prayed while I was forced to participate in child sex tourism, and the customers had a tendency to be adults. I prayed in my head when it came to all the bad things that were happening. I was praying while fighting. I was praying while being armed with a with the black pistol, and I prayed while sneaking in and out of trains and buses. Um, I remember my mom's brother. um, Before I would leave out the apartment, my exact words were, um, I said this in order to get away from the crimes he was doing to me and my brother at my um, mother's apartment. I remember uh, saying my exact words were, "I'm jetting out this this shithole, and I'll be goddamn back when I fucking feel like it." Um, and he would um, point to the downstairs door and say. your own shit. And that was his way of letting me go. Um, That was the world I was in. Another time that I can think of was they referred to me, the organized crime figures referred to me as... um, Um, They refer to me as the dark Al Capone. And a lot of the people in organized crime, I can't call them people, I call them monsters. They felt that I was the most feared mobster, gangster, crime lord, and criminal mastermind in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia region. And that is not a title that I embrace. That is a title that I deface. That's a title that I hate. Plus, criminals are liars, so go figure. Criminals cheat, they're hypocrites, so. They're liable to say anything pure evil. And I remember when I was talking with women. They were glad that I referred to them as Jehovah's daughters. And I saw the giddiness on their faces and in their tone of voice when I would, when I said that, when I would say that to them, I remember saying that they're God's royalty figures, and they would praise dance over that. So. uh, So many people have been wondering where was my protection? I would say that the only protection I had in my mind was and is Jesus. The one that as a child I called the Christ and the Son of God and the Messiah and the lord of lords and the king of kings. That was the only pr- consistent protection I felt in my soul, even though it was damn near impossible to consistently feel that all the time because I'm an organized crime. And how did I get out? Um, I would say that I talk about it in my book, but there and I shared... A lot of it in previous episodes. But there's another new thing. Well. Over time. Um, these are new details. I've never told anybody this. This is the first time I'm telling people. Um, over time. People started to. Report. Um, the activities of nice crime syndicates I was a part of. And. That's the beginning of the end because they committed so much violence, so much murders, so much theft and. So many hate crimes that witnesses started to feel emboldened to tell on them. And it started becoming more and more difficult for me to commit crimes because there were more neighborhood watch, meaning people who police their own neighborhoods, they started roaming the streets they were their own truant officers they were even suspicious of kids um with anybody because they started hearing reports about um some kids being involved because they would see kids um along with the adults so that was what that was the word that got back to me from organized crime figures that the usually the organized crime figures felt like um, they were good at hiding their dirt and keeping kids from their dirt but what some organized crime figures told me this was as I was leaving organized crime. um, Witnesses when it came to me um, towards the end they didn't get a chance to really report me because the last few weeks as an organized crime, I would say the majority of those that was the majority of those that I was forced to work for in organized crime started becoming um, targets of investigations. And um, The indictment started coming and the prison sentences started happening. And some were just died off by being killed because they pissed off their enemies. And some were just ran out of town, pursued on foot, pursued in a car chase. And they were leaving the DMV, and from what I heard was they later were found dead or found beaten to death, or you know, then you know they they start targeting their friends and families because their friends and families were in crime too. So there were reports and rumors of them being found dead and beaten to death too, and they started having court dates and court trials so that's why I remember in the final weeks I couldn't commit crimes for very long um, this is what I didn't put in my book Um, I wasn't able to commit crimes for very long because it was just too much heat. It was too hot. That's a criminal linguistics criminalistic linguistics. It was just too hot because they kept being raided. They kept being, you know, reported on by the neighborhood watch, you know, their own community policing. And, you know, they're just too many anonymous tips. So in the final weeks, I I was barely, all the other th- things I was doing in crime stopped. The only thing that I could do was just sell drugs, but I had to sell them in areas where there weren't a lot of people because the places that didn't have a lot of people started having a lot of people because people kept reporting. So I was moved to just sell drugs in places that, you know, like in places where people wouldn't think to go, right? So it could be. I had, we had to, instead of doing the drive through drug deals that's typical in movies, which is in real life, we had to, not had to as in needed to, because nobody needs to do pure evil and nobody should want to do pure evil. We had to resort to going, you know, going to people's homes. The customers, the drug customers, and even that stopped over time because more anonymous tips they're like, "Hey, we're seeing some people they look like they got suspicious packages and suspicious vials of drugs, you know, going up to people's homes um there was an anonymous tip on me, I think, yes. Well, um, that's what I was told. Because I did say that um, a witness never reported on me. One, it was a rumor that it was an anonymous tip. It was a rumor. I can't sus- substantiate it. It was just a rumor by one of the crime figure, and that rumor turned out to be false. Um, but. I'm just putting all my memory together. I think that there were, w- there were witnesses who saw what I was being made to do. And that was one of the reasons why before, my fi- before the final meeting with the Italian mafia for me to join... I also couldn't make that because even witnesses were saying. We're going to get you off the streets because I was nice to people, even though, yes, they should have reported what I was being forced to do. They should have helped me in terms of, you know, using my name to say, hey, this child is being forced to do these things. That's what they should have done. They did say that they reported everybody else. They were like, you know, we we didn't want to report your name because you're not, you're not, you're not a bad person. But we reported everybody else that was making you do things. We just didn't say your name. We just said um, they're making. They're even making a kid do this. The police asked, and they said, you know, you know, who's this kid? They said, well, they just do this to a lot of kids. You know, they do this to a lot of kids. And the police are trying to figure out um, how to get access to kids. And they told that um, they shared how a lot of kids come from these broken homes. So the, So the police knew that the witnesses weren't comfortable saying the names of the kids because they they admit the witnesses admitted to the police well we, we don't know how to we we're trying to get justice for the kids we don't know how to go about it so they would say hey just patrol the neighborhoods and hopefully that could be our way of helping to get justice for the kids reporting kids that's just very difficult for us but you know we're not we're not covering up anything. They're just saying, but these families, how, we don't want to devastate these families. So the, instead of police being hard on them, the police was understanding. And I think the police should have digged deeper. I agree. Um, so they had ways of figuring out which kids are being a part of it. And they patrolled the neighborhoods and saw suspicious things. And that's how they got locked up. Me, by the time they started patrolling neighborhoods, I was already out of organized crime. Um, if the witnesses did not come, then the police would have saw me doing something suspicious against my will. So when they started patrolling, I was already gone. That's when, in my book, I talk about the Italian mafia... Um, already fled to Italy because criminals basically forced them out of the DMV. They forced the Mexican drug cartels out of the DMV. They forced um a lot of you know they they forced s- a lot of criminals are forced out of the DMV, like. The D.C. street crews and D.C. street gangs, D.C. prison gangs, D.C. motorcycle gangs were ordered by criminals not to have any more contact with me because because the criminals started f- hearing about a child, this notorious kid, meaning me. Of all the kids, I was considered the most notorious. And so what they did was... Um, They said, okay, we're gonna either you leave him alone or we're all gonna kill you. Because some criminals were old school. They're like, you don't put no child in this. You don't put no young, little youngin in this. These are criminals I never met before. And they heard about me from other criminals that were part of the crime syndicate, the organized crime syndicates. i was supposed to be a part of, so that's how I was forced out. I was almost reported on because there were witnesses that told me um, we're thinking about reporting. You know, using your name in all this, and they said, okay. What we're going to do is um, help you get out of this. But they were people that didn't fully know how to help me heal. They just, all they knew was, I'm thinking of saying something, but they were stuck because they weren't used to the concept of children with crime and didn't. Was I failed by them and by countless many others? Yes, I was failed by all of them miserably beyond measure and compare. Absolutely. Um, So they said, okay, we're going to report what happened to you without using your name, and that's how that happened. So I was anonymously... reported on, like, the first criminal who anonymously reported me, I wasn't anonymously reported yet, so that rumor was was false. I was not anonymously reported yet. Um But eventually, it did happen, but the timing that they said it was happening wasn't true, because nobody reported me at that time. Um But later on, I was reporting on, it just never used my name. And so... The criminals ordered, after a while, there were criminals who walked with me, then after a while they stopped because they started getting found out and I never saw those criminals again. And there were women that were my friends that found out I was being made to do, you know, the organized crimes. They, well, Basically, they found out without finding out there were rumors that I was involved in organized crime. So, they made sure that I never walked the streets by myself again. They made sure that nobody picked me up from my mother's apartment again. And they made sure that I never went anywhere alone, ever again. Um, they, They never directly asked me about the rumors because they didn't believe what was reported about me. They felt like, this sweet person, there's no way. But it made them go, just in case... If somebody made him do these things, let me just take him off the streets completely. So that's what happened. They just told me, okay, from now on, you're going to be with me in terms of everywhere I go. That's what they said to me. And they said, um... That is how things are gonna be. I need to make sure you're protected. Now that these women failed me, yes, was it inappropriate? Was it inappropriate for me to have, you know, a friendship with them? Yes, because they did not do what completely what true friends do. So, I was made to spend too much time alone with adults. Um, and let me preface it let me actually say it this way that there are criminals who walk with me the reason why they walk with me at first they were making sure that nobody was trying to bring me back an organized crime and so that's so they would just make sure nobody was trying to get me to do any do any criminal acts ever again so that's pretty much the other reasons how I got out And, you know, when I think about just everything that I've been through, I'm so thankful that they failed miserably to turn me into a killer. They failed miserably to turn me into a crime boss. They failed miserably to turn me into a violent maniac. They failed miserably to turn me into a drug lord. They failed miserably to turn me into a street legend. They failed miserably to turn me into a a felonious lawbreaker. Gangsterdom—they failed miserably to make me that. Not only they failed miserably, they failed miserably beyond measure, beyond compare, to turn me into a pure evil entity in human form. So that's the full story of how I got out, and I remember just. I prayed even a lot more. Even I was praying a lot in organized crime. I prayed a lot more, read the Bible a lot more. And my faith and my belief system in the Holy Trinity skyrocketed even more because I had breathing room to glorify Christ without having to do pure evil while glorifying him. I, it, it wasn't as difficult to glorify Christ afterwards in, a, in the aftermath of me being forced out of organized crime. So, this that's the full story of how I got out, I say again. And I rejoice in the fact that I got out. I rejoice even more in the fact that I was I'll never be back. So don't glorify what I was forced to do. Don't gloat over the bullshit. Don't glamorize the bullshit. There's no glitz to the bullshit. There's no glitz and glamor to this bullshit. It's, you know, those motherfuckers are never worth being celebrated. Those motherfuckers are never worth being praised, these motherfuckers are never worth being condoned in terms of their actions. It was all a bunch of detrimental ass, fucked up ass, shitty ass, crazy ass indoctrination organized crime has its own dogmas. So, I have nothing more to report about my forced life in organized crime because it's all out. So I just want to thank the listeners for having more to marinate on and having more more people, especially people like me, to fight for.